And now for the major announcement. Da, 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 da. Oh, Marcus, for years, listeners have been urging with us, pleading with us, begging us to run wellness and couch events in their own hometown and not just in Melbourne. Well, get ready, folks, because in 2018, there's not one, not two, but three major events coming your way. The Wellness Base Camp is our brand new one-day event featuring your favourite Wellness Couch podcasters in your very own home state. In 2018, we are coming to Brisbane, Adelaide and Kiama, just south of Sydney, for one inspirational day of health and wellness. Oh, incredible lineups to MP. We've got the Up for Chatters, we've got Joe Witten, we've got Fuad, we've got Kale Brock, Audra Starkey, the incredible Marcus Pierce, Brett Hill, and so many more. Now, seats are strictly limited to these events. The Wellness Base Camp is not a big Wellness Summit 1,000 people job, so do not muck around. No, you've got to get in quick, MP. The early bird two-for-one tickets are now available. Best Christmas present ever. To book your tickets and for all the information, head to thewellnessbasecamp.com. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings Primal Alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making Primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast. Today I'm joined by Steph Goudreau from Stupid Easy Paleo over in the States. Now, if you haven't heard of Stupid Easy Paleo's amazing tortilla wraps, then you have been living under a rock, my paleo primal ancestral health friend. Um, I was introduced to those amazing wraps by my friend Melissa Palmer, um, who put me onto them a couple of years ago now, and they are a go-to faff-free, mix it up in the Thermomix, cook it in the pan, tortillas to have with things like, uh, we have it with like things like fajitas, or like fish, um, goujons, that kind of thing. Delicious. But Steph is so much more than just uh, a recipe blog. Um, She is, she writes books. She's an international speaker. She has amazing courses. One that I like in particular is called Harder to Kill. And her mission is to help you release your inner badass so you can change the world. Steph is coming from a history of, very similar to the rest of us, punishing ourselves with exercise and depriving ourselves with food, um, to now embracing the absolute, you know, nutritious, delicious um, foods that we evolved and thrive on as a species, and using exercise to, you know, get stronger and feel amazing. And you just need to look at some of Steph's pictures online to see that this is one strong woman on the inside and out. Steph's got her own podcast called Harder to Kill Radio, and I hope to be a guest on there one day soon. So subscribe to that and check it out. The thing I like about Steph is it's not all about diet and exercise. Steph talks to us about this uh, four pillars in our life, and it really comes down to, yes, food is a very big pillar, but you also need to look at other lifestyle factors and mindset. So if you're looking for more of a holistic approach uh, to reclaiming your health, Steph has a very similar philosophy to me, is your go-to girl. Now, before we jump into the episode today, I just wanted to have a little happy dance and say, oh my goodness, I'm so grateful to Joe Witten and Fouad Kassab from Quirky Cooking who just last week promoted Primal Alternative to their 280,000 strong fan base on Facebook. They also released a podcast on their podcast, A Quirky Journey, and are featuring me and Primal Alternative in their newsletter. It is an incredible opportunity for me to take my 
little message from the kitchen in Albany, which is where I am now in my shed in the middle of the bush, to a much bigger audience via their platform of like-minded kindred sisters. I have had a ball of a week, an incredible week in terms of my whole life incredibleness, um, just connecting with like-minded women who are passionate about a whole food philosophy, who want to be a local producer uh, and serving their community, and also really understand the energetic connection of what women can do when they collaborate together. Um, so it's just been mind-blowing. You know, you sometimes think that you might be a little bit woo-woo, and then you find your tribe, and you're like, wow, these women are my tribe. So thanks to Joanne Fuad. Thanks to you for watching the quirky video and listening to the podcast and seeing the, the post on Facebook and following the link, liking Primal Alternative, joining the Facebook group Potential Primalistas, which has now got 250 women in who feel terrific excited. Um, which is actually a word I got from Steph. Thanks, Steph. I love that word. So it's a mixture of feeling terrified and excited. And everybody feels that whether you're like starting Steph's program, Harder to Kill, or whether you're about to embark on a new business venture and become a Primalista. Now, a Primalista is a producer of my food range, Primal Alternative. In the food range, we have got fruit toast, fat and seedy bread, which is suitable for those on a keto diet because it's just got one gram of carbs per slice. You got it, sister girlfriend. It's also GAPS friendly. It's got no starch in at all. We have got summer or winter bread, depending on the season. And that varies with um, pumpkin in the winter and zucchini in the summer. The rest of the, it's not bread at all, right? It's um, free range eggs, almond meal, and some vegetables. So Yes, not bread at all, but a really good primal alternative to the food that you love. And just really having these foods available makes this kind of lifestyle easier to maintain. We're all looking for something that can make our lives a little bit easy. Even if you like baking your own paleo bread every week, isn't it nice to think that you could just pop to the shops and get a loaf of delicious um, paleo bread that you know has been created with love by somebody in your community. I buy the bread myself from our local independent grocer. My bread made by a primalista and I love it. It's so exciting. So we've also got chocolate chip cookies, jellies, pizza bases. I think that's it. So the six products all together. Now we are, I'm currently focusing, I'm in Australia for those of you who are listening in the States, even though I have an English accent, I know it's a bit confusing. Um, so I'm on the south um, coast of WA in a town called Albany, and a city actually called Albany. Um, and I'm focusing on Australia at the moment, but if you're listening to this and you're in the States and you have got a passion for real food and you would love to have a business where you work from home serving your community, then this could be an opportunity for you. So please head to primalalternative.com to see the range, click on become a producer, find out all about it, find Primal Alternative on Facebook, check out Potential Primalistas. You will find links to Steph's website, Stupid Easy Paleo, Google that, you'll find her. She's always on Instagram with amazing videos. She's on Facebook, check her out. If you haven't tried those tortilla recipes, do it. And yeah, on with the show. Welcome Steph. Welcome to the podcast. Today I'm joined by no other than Steph from Stupid Easy Paleo. Oh my goodness, I can't believe she has agreed to be on the Primal Alternative podcast. Welcome, Steph. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. That's so cool. Now, Steph, you're in whereabouts in America? I am in the lovely San Diego, California. So enjoying the sun and the surf. Nice. And you'll be in the middle of summer. We sure are. <laughs> it's very warm. Nice. Look at you. We're in the middle of winter in Australia. And don't you just love that, you know, it's your evening in, in America and it's my early morning in Australia. But yet, to the magic of technology, here we are having a chat. And I just love that. So cool. 
I think it's fantastic. And it, it never ceases to amaze me how people across the world are able to connect with each other. Some of our best friends live in um, New Zealand. So we're pretty familiar with the sort of opposite seasons and opposite clock times and everything like that. <laughs> yeah, those time zones, they can um, cause problems sometimes, can't they? <laughs> <laughs> they sure can. They sure can. Now, the reason I wanted to um, get you on the show, Steph, is just because you are an amazing um, you know, a story of somebody who's transformed their health uh, through paleo and then gone on to follow your passion and create an amazing business doing what you love. And that I found that incredibly inspirational. So I'd like to start at the beginning, Steph, and really just find out a little bit about um, how you were pre-paleo and how you came to find out all about it. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for, uh, you know, whenever I hear somebody describe me, that's why I love to introduce people on podcasts, too, because they're like, oh, that, I, I forgot I've done all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, you get so uh, bogged down in the day to day stuff. It It's always great to hear that journey reflected back to me. So thanks for that. Um, well, you know, I think in a lot of ways, I have a very similar story to a lot of women. Um, I would classify my relationship with food and fitness as extremely confused pre 2010. (laughs) And, you know, I sort of growing up as a kid, I always felt like I was different. Um, I was bigger than all the other girls. Um, Now it's just I sort of have embraced like this is just my body type. I'm like, sturdy and like a brick house. And that's great. But when you're a kid, it's not always it doesn't always feel great to feel different from your peers. So I had that sort of body image stuff going on from a very early age, I would say age 10, and um, had undiagnosed endometriosis until age 33, I received a diagnosis. So I had a lot of underlying health problems going on. Mm. But no one could tell me like there was nothing, everyone's like, there's nothing wrong with you. The doctors are like, you're fine, you'll grow out of it. It's hormonal changes. And so you can imagine as a 10 year old, physically changing and going through puberty and um, all that stuff at at a quite early age and then feeling really sick on top of it. Mm. It just sort of made me not trust and listen to myself because here I felt so terrible, but all the people in positions of authority said I was fine. So of course that must be all in my head. Right. Mm. And, and I think that really set the stage for me not listening to myself and not trusting my intuition and not um, not like believing that what I was experiencing was real, you know? And so that sort of was an underlying thing that was going on for quite some time and through my teen years. And, you know, I just, uh, had a very similar story to a lot of people, like went to college, gained a bunch of weight, freshman 15, and I was really active and into sports. And then when I went to college, I stopped really being active at all. And I joined a gym down the street from where my parents lived because I lived at home for the first year of college. And <laughs> I, I distinctly remember having never been in a gym aside from the high school weight room right? and walking into this gym and thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing. And um, just fooling around on the machines and, and got active again. And, you know, lo and behold, I lost some weight. So yay, it worked. And um, I tried to eat healthy and but I had no idea what that was. But how did that look? Your so, version of healthy back then? Gosh, I think I just tried to eat less food. Yeah, it was a huge one. Calories um, in, calories you know, out. Tip- <laughs> yeah. So we're like really, really stuck on um, reducing fat. Mm. I mean, this is the 1990s, right? So, <laughs> so mm. still very much stuck in the low fat phase. And I remember in the US, we had this product called Snackwells that came on the market and they were these little packets, you know, now it's so ubiquitous, but little 100 calorie packets oh, yeah, of high sugar, low yeah. fat. Yeah. High sugar, low fat. Um, I was totally addicted to sugar. And, and, you know, it just sort of, those were sort the sorts of things that I was doing, mm-hmm. eating as little as I could, um, eating a really high sugar diet, which like come to find out later on again, I, and like over a decade later, um, having endometriosis, mm-hmm. you know, anything that causes lots of inflammation in the body, um, including sugar is just 
doesn't make for uh, one to feel very good. So, mm. you know, that was some underlying stuff that was going on too. I got into mountain biking um, and I found an outlet for my pursuit of making myself as small as I could possibly make myself. So I went on this like, and it wasn't a decision like, okay, I am going to make myself as small as I can be. It wasn't a conscious thing, but it was something, it, it just what became part of what I did. And so I got into bike racing and this is mountain bikes and uh, what a convenient way looking back for me to try to make myself smaller. Cause if I was smaller, I could be faster. And if I was faster then I could win. And so I really sort of had this not healthy relationship with exercise where I was, you know, always trying to uh, lose weight really is what it came down to. And, you know, incessantly weighing myself every single day and pinching the fat between my thighs and like measuring it and poking out my body and all these things that are just really signs of a body image issues or a dysmorphic view of one's own body. So, you know, it sort of all came to a head around, let's say between 2009 and 2011. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was a process. This was like a sort of a two year thing for me, but you know, I was, my energy every day was so low. I, I forgot, I left out this part, but I was a a high school teacher. So I taught high school chemistry, biology. Yeah, that was my job. Uh, I started when I was 21. So by the time I was about 30, um, you know, stuff really was not, I didn't feel great. You know, um, I, I had received the diagnosis, um, for my endometriosis when I was 33. So that still wasn't even there yet, you know? So I still felt crappy and my energy was so bad every day I would leave school and I would feel so drowsy on the way home Mm. that I would go to the, the local, convenience store and I would get a bottle of Coke, diet Coke. Oh yeah. And uh, a a bag of a bag of MMs because that was sugar and caffeine and I knew it would pick me up, right? I knew it would feel make me feel better. So I had like super low energy. I was always in a terrible mood. I mean always. Like always very pessimistic and very snappy at people and just sort of was really not happy with my life Mm -hmm. and physically still didn't feel very great. Um, and you know, riding hours and hours and hours and hours a week, like hours and hours. And again, trying to make myself just lose weight and just get really small. And, um, in 2009, friends of mine who I knew from racing mountain bikes said, we're going to try this thing called, it's like a gluten-free diet. And I mean, here I am, I'm a biology teacher and I love human physiology and sort of thought I was into healthy eating. And I was kind of like gluten-free. That sounds so weird and so strange. You know, how could you do endurance sports without gluten? Um, cause it was very, very different. You know, it was all about like all the carbs you can get and, um, carb lots loading. of whole grains. Yeah. 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 yeah carb loading, like, big plates of pasta and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, you know, okay, I'm gonna, why not? And so the book was the book that sh- they shared with me was called the paleo diet for athletes by Dr. Lauren Cordain and Joe Friel. Mm-hmm. And Joe Friel is a very well-known endurance coach. Um, and so I thought, well, I've heard of Joe Friel. He's pretty legit. Um, sure. Like I'll do it. So that was sort of the fall of 2009. I did the holidays like one last time, you know, did a big <laughs> when it <laughs> had my fun. Um, and I sort of settled on a date on the calendar, January 10, 2010. Uh-huh. And I said, I'm going to do start. I'm going to do paleo. And at the time, I think I don't think I still really understood a lot of what it was. Mm. But nevertheless, kind of jumped into it. And I would say within a few months, I started to notice a change in myself. I've started to have more energy. I wasn't getting that 3 PM crash. Um, like I always did. Mm. I felt like I was stronger on my bike. I yeah, had like weird, ac- I still had acne all over my body. Like my acne started to go away, you know, just little things I noticed, but over time, like those things 
more, I felt better in more ways as well. And I thought, okay, well, this is pretty awesome. And I've always liked to cook. So I had a mountain biking blog, Mm -hmm. (laughs) believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And I would write about my races and take photos and whatever. And I started to put recipes on that blog. Uh This is like ever before stupid easy paleo was a thing. And I did that for almost a year and a half. And, um, in 2011, a friend of mine, and I always tell this story and I can never to this day, remember who it was because I owe them a debt of gratitude. (laughs) A friend of mine, someone in my life was like, you should start a food blog. Uh And I thought, huh? Okay. Like, I really don't know about blogging other than writing my thoughts on the internet, but Hey, why not? And so that's how stupid easy paleo started in September of 2011. Now, the other component to that story is that in 2010, uh, a friend, another friend dared me to try CrossFit in my garage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd been in the endurance mountain bike scene and triathlon scene for like eight years at that point. And it was so different to anything I had ever done. And I thought, all right, fine. Like, I'll do your CrossFit, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I really loved it. And um, I remember it was all body weight stuff. So it wasn't even anything with weights. But about a week after that, I walked down to the local, well, I drove down to the local CrossFit and I said, I don't really know what this thing is, but I want to try it. Mm. And they explained it to me and I was like, I still don't really know what this is. Because <laughs> um, you have to understand seven years ago, CrossFit was very much smaller than it is now. Yes. And you know, for for its all its controversy and big personalities and you know, whatever, um, is in the news and is in popular media. For me, like CrossFit plus paleo was really the thing that got the ball rolling Mm -hmm. because for the first time I, when I went to CrossFit, I didn't, it didn't matter what size my body was. Like I, I wasn't, like all that mattered was getting str- like to me was getting stronger. Okay, so right, so it became yeah, so it became less about like yeah. So it's I'm just really interested just to unpack that a little bit more because you know so yeah. far in in your journey and like you say, um, it's not so uncommon to a lot of women's journeys, and it's so refreshing to hear this being spoken about that really all we wanted to do was um, eat as little as possible and move as much as we could so we could be as small as we could, like exactly what you've said. Um, and But but all of that, um, all of that mountain biking and all that riding that you were doing, there wasn't really any motivation behind that in terms of I want to feel resilient, I want to feel connected to nature, I want to be able to trust my intuition more. There was none of that, was there? It was just calorie burning. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I liked, I loved being outside. And, you know, I don't want people to think I'm like, here to trash um, endurance sports or mountain biking, like there are definitely people for whom those activities can be done in a very psychologically and physically healthy way. For me, at that point, I mean, I was was also in a marriage that was ending, I was in a spot where I just wanted to numb myself out. Mm. I wanted to just numb out. And I've seen some places on a bike that I will remember for the rest of my life. And I've met some incredible friends through mountain biking in the community. And, but for me, it was like a means to an end. It was like, I just, all I cared about was trying to shrink myself down, like physically, mentally. Um, and like I said, numb out really to what was going on in my life. Mm. And so it became a, a sort of a the means to that end. And I remember very distinctly, um, there were two things that happened sort of in, in 2010, right before I started doing CrossFit. One of them was I did a triathlon in Lake Tahoe and it's beautiful. And went and like got my picture taken next to this giant waterfall. Mm. And I sort of like had this like double bicep, I'm doing this like double biceps pose. <laughs> and I remember looking at that photo immediately after it was taken and thinking, I look fat. Mm. And I look at that photo now and I, I think that doesn't even, I don't even remember who that woman is, mm. you know, like I do, but at the same time, I'm not her anymore. And I've put on 
25 pounds of muscle and, you know, like it's, it's really like I've changed my body. But the other thing was, I remember stepping on the scale around that time and it, it was like, Oh, finally 128 pounds or whatever it was. And I was just like, I had a moment where I was excited mm. and it, it instantaneously went to, well, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be less. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, keep going. It's got to keep going. It's got to keep going. And, and so it became this battle back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, so I can't say that every experience I ever had on a bike was negative or the intention every time I set out to ride was negative, but it wasn't, I was using it as a crutch yeah. and I was using it as sort of an excuse in a way to numb myself mm-hmm. to sort of not deal with the other stuff in my life and like not really do the hard work of unpacking to use your term. There's a good one, but <laughs> sort of like digging down and like getting below the surface of like, why do I, why is my self-worth like so tied to my size and like what's going on there and you know I'm not sure if you can answer that all in one day or no it's huge in in one yeah in one coaching session and for me it was sort of a gradual process of like you know there was some convergence of things that came together like finally getting um the right like good nutrition nourishment uh, removing some like really inflammatory stuff from my diet sleeping better and now introducing strength training and this way of looking at myself that was like, what, I wonder what I could do instead of, I wonder what I can make myself look like. Yeah, right. Love it. You so, know, so much more from an empowering point of view. And did that, Steph, did that happen consciously? Did you think, right, you know, this relationship with my body, um, I want to change it. I want to um, come from a more sort of empowered place. Or was it just a natural uh, thing that happened once you went paleo and that inflammation had gone and you started to sleep a bit better and you know I guess um, in general your mood you, those terrible moods of pessimism would have would have lifted right and you were feeling a lot more better about mm-hmm. life in general yeah I think you know it was sort of a gradual thing that happened over time it, mm. it sort of unfolded very slowly and very naturally and I don't think, you know, when I started out eating paleo, I wasn't like, I'm going to reclaim my relationship with my body and like, <laughs> I'm going to fix all this stuff about myself that's really messed up. Yeah. Um, it was just sort of like, I'm going to try this different way of eating. And, you know, I can't even say that at the beginning, my intentions were like, I just want to see if I can feel good in my body. Um, I'm sure wrapped up in some of that was some of this stuff about, well, I wonder if this will help me lose weight. <laughs> um, of course. You know, going lo- going low carb like can help women lose body fat. You know, like all these yes. things that you that you read about. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so and so, I really, you know, I can't say that I set out even to like go into this lifestyle with the intentions and the way I'm living now. Yeah. But it evolved that way over time, and you know, I get a lot of questions and comments every single day on the on the blog through email on social media from women who are like and I I did a video about this today about like well how do I um you know like I want to have this as my cheat meal and I'm just like oh you know I get really frustrated that the traditional diet mentality is has seeped into our communities our sort of paleo real food ancestral health primal um you know I even see it in vegetarian vegan whatever your paradigm is, I see a lot of sort of that traditional diety talk coming into these communities. And I think at the same time, I have to give people that grace because when I started that, that was my intention as well, you know, and everybody's on their own journey. And and it's a good moment for me to like check myself when I feel myself getting frustrated, like, mm. why are we still having this discussion? You know, yeah. um, why are we talking about cheat meals and calorie slashing and, um, like obsessively logging our food and, and all of this other stuff when, you know, when I came into it, I was hoping for the same, like more, more fat loss and more, mm-hmm. um, you know, just brought those, those sort of diet, dietary mentalities uh, into starting a paleo lifestyle. So I get it. And, um, I, it's a good reminder to me to like, 
give people some space to go on that that journey themselves and it's going to look different for everybody absolutely and noticing how far you've come because you know our our stories are very similar right to the point of um you know getting a pepsi max i used to get pepsi max you got diet coke Uh, in the the afternoon you know like after I smashed the gym and I was exhausted and I didn't really want to have any calories um because I was eating by the clock Mm. you know like wasn't dinner time yet so smash a Pepsi Max because like the bubble the bubble kind of filled you up and the caffeine Mm. you you just think oh my goodness I just wish I could go back but anyway we can't go back in time but um (laughs) I was gonna just uh touch on um on cheat meals what's your what is your um what is your stance on cheat meals? Oh, oh. you know, I think how long is this podcast going to be? <laughs> you know, I think we live in a world, <laughs> we live in a world right now. You know, you're, you're in the ancestral health community. You see, understand this as well. And, and maybe some of your listeners, this might be a new concept, but like our environments and our, our biologies are increasingly out of sync. Right. Just sort of how we were biologically, how we're supposed to operate. And I think, you know, what we see a lot now is an incredible uh, energy drain and willpower drain on people like never before in our human history. We are bombarded by so much media and information and stress and you know and that's everything from too much exercise inflammatory foods environmental pollution i mean if you list it all off people are going to want to go live in a bubble right so we can't like (laughs) we can't go live in a bubble and i don't want to make people you know analysis paralysis their lives to the point they just give up everything yeah but i also want to have people pick their battles Right. So we're under a lot of stress. Um, We have to recover from stress. Stress isn't necessarily a bad thing, but we need proper recovery from that stress. And now we're going to add on to it the idea of cheat meals and or cheat days or whatever it is. And that that's a problem from a couple of different perspectives. One, it's a willpower issue. Right. How much willpower do you have? Well, well I don't know. It's, out, so compl- it, it's, it's finite. So you, yeah. you've got amazing willpower on Monday morning, but by the time it gets to Friday um, after work, oh, my willpower has gone by then, Steph, and I'm reaching for the bottle of wine and the takeaway <laughs> menu. <laughs> by, the, by, the time, by the time Monday afternoon rolls around, yeah, I would yeah. I would suggest, <laughs> right? So, and I said, I said this today in this video, was like, you're, you know, if you've got little ones, like, you're like doing your best to like maintain patience as they get off for school and, Mm. you know, send them with love and kisses instead of screaming and yelling. And then you go to work and your boss is giving you a hard time. You've got pressure about finances and then you've got the commute. And like, by the time you get home, you've already exercised and spent a lot of your willpower, not just going off on people and being a crazy person. Um, you know, so, so that, that resource is very, very limited. And, um, I also think on the other, the other side of that coin, we don't do a great job. I think we sort of collectively as a, as a society, and this is like Western society doesn't do a great job with recovering from said stresses. Okay. So we've got that as an issue. When we talk about cheating, then we add morality and good or bad uh-huh. to that issue, right? So if you're not cheating, you're good. If you're cheating, you're bad. We even talk about temptation, mm. like ooh, oh, it's like oh, it's evil. It's so bad. Temptation, like mm. we're you know we're just have to resist it. And and I think you know so we got those two things. We've also got this issue of um, so again, so many women and men come to this more holistic way of eating but they bring their old dietary habits with them yeah it's and and it's like that punishment and reward thing isn't it like people come because i I run 21 day challenges and at the start of the 21 day challenge everyone sets goals of what they want to achieve and there's always that percentage perhaps if they're trying it for the first time there's always that percentage of women who are in it for the i want to lose weight i want to lose weight and I want to lose some more, more weight. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's all about. But I think the beauty of paleo is that um, you start to get lots of unexpected benefits. You know, like you you mentioned before about sure. you know all those other the inflammatory 
issues going and the acne improving and your sleep got better and your mood lifted. And I think it kind of creates this um, like a virtuous circle, like a non-vicious circle, you know, where you're like, I'm eating like yeah. this, I'm moving like this and I'm feeling flipping good. And actually my sugar cravings have gone. So I don't really feel like I need to binge mm-hmm. out on that. And then so you're therefore more motivated Mm -hmm. to want to continue that lifestyle because it's making you feel freaking awesome. So and then you have that gluten pizza and you you can feel how crap it makes you feel because you've you've had a taste of how good you can feel. So and I think so I think that, you know, to most people, to most women coming into this, they do bring with them that punishment and reward, you know, lose weight, turn up, you know, mentality. But then. It very quickly goes, do you find, with your clients? Yeah, it, you know, I think if, if people can stay bought in long enough um, and if they have a strong sense of why they're doing this, um, I would love for people to to get down to the level where they can identify a reason that comes from a place of love um, for themselves, for their families, um, for life, whatever it is, versus the place of fear. Um, fear can certainly be a motivator to change. But I will say amongst my clients, those who can identify like a, a reason that is grounded in love for doing what they're doing versus a reason grounded in fear, they tend to be more successful and be happier in the process. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I think that's it's it's nuanced and as you know everybody wants like black and black and white diet advice and I'm like well it depends you know so the other thing I was going to mention with willpower is that and you're certainly right the right inputs matter a lot like if we eat nourishing food we get more sleep uh, we move around like our cravings tend to go down our appetite tends to regulate etc but the one piece that no one uh, or very few people I hear talking about is when we bring our old dietary rules of like you need to wait until friday to eat this yeah you've completely moved the locus of control away from yourself Mm. completely you've given it up to some external diet rule some uh some coach uh some website you read um a rule you thought you heard somewhere like you've outsourced your your own power Mm. to someone else do you mean in, and there is of, no instead of sorry Steph instead of trusting your intuition is that yeah. what you mean yeah okay mm. oh absolutely and the thing is is like I <laughs> made this example earlier it's like if I want to eat a peanut butter cup like I'm an adult I can get to decide when to eat the peanut butter cup and in fact if I give myself the opportunity to eat it at any time <laughs> I mean I w- if I wake up tomorrow If I wake up tomorrow morning and I think, and we used to have this rule growing up, like I think it came from my grandmother was like, no sugar before noon. Um, (laughs) If I, uh, I think that was just a point. Yeah. Um, You know, like I think if, if I woke up tomorrow morning and I was like, I want a peanut butter cup, then I'm going to eat it. Yeah. But if I give myself the permission to eat what I want when I want, that it, it, it flips it, right? It's like it's like reverse psychology. Yeah, I love it. So it kind of takes when the you tell a little kid. It. Oh, abs- it makes it less mysterious. Mm. It, it makes it less taboo. Um, you know, how many people have you worked with where when they it, they're like, I have to give up X food, and they're like, I had dreams about it. Mm-hmm. It's all I can mm-hmm. think about. It's <laughs> on my mind because I'm just trying to avoid it all the time, and it becomes this like. There, there comes the willpower again. And it's mm. like, that is not a way to make sustainable changes. So, you know, I think there is going to be a process for some people with learning to trust themselves a little bit more to paying attention to how they feel, um, how they feel in their bodies, what their bodies actually really craving, like, oh, hey, um, I actually want some more protein at, with my dinner. Like, that's okay. Mm. Start to just notice. And I know for some people who are dieters, they're like, no, I can't without rules. I'll go off the rails and I'll binge my face off 24 seven. I I think what people find is that the opposite is true. Mm. But if that feels like too big a jump, it's like, let's just pay attention to how we feel in our bodies. Where do I feel tension? Um, Where, like, am I really breathing through my belly? instead of carrying all my stress in my chest. Um, 
you know, as I go throughout the day, what is my energy like? Um, you know, these sorts of things like really pay attention. And I think that's awareness. That awareness is the very first step in launching into this sort of like more intuitive eating, um, trusting yourself thing. Like it has to come in baby steps for most people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I know when I started out, I was like, I need to know black and white, what I can and can't have because you've got, you've got Mm -hmm. this sense of, I want to do it right. And then when that intuitiveness comes, then you can start to really think, well, actually I've got, you know, beef on the menu tonight, but I'm really feeling like fish. Uh, So I'm going to have fish, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I can do that. But I think it takes a while for that intuition to come through because we've, we've just not listened to it. It's been pushed down, you know, we've right from an early age and our our parents have said to us, Mm -hmm. finish the plate, even though we're, you know, finish the plate, otherwise you're not getting dessert. I think most of us of our generation Mm -hmm. have been brought up like that. So you've just switched off that tuning into yourself. So I think it does take a while to come back. And when it does, it's just the most liberating thing ever, isn't it? Instead of just oh, being so obsessed yeah. with food. And, and you know, I used to remember used to lie in bed. I used to count how many calories I'd eaten in that day, right down to like, well, I had two, two of those chips out of her packet. Um, so mm-hmm. that's about 10 calories oh it's just insane and now just absolute yeah. freedom from calories and freedom from food and being able to go a long periods of time without even bloody eating <laughs> who'd have thought yeah isn't it it's, just amazing it's also it is it's also a, and i say this like with air quotes it's also a great distraction mm. it's a great distraction from really dealing with the issue, whatever other issues are underlying that sort of compulsion or that yeah. like need to feel like you have control. Mm. There's it, there's almost always something under that. And I know not everybody wants to get there, but messy, that's what life is. Life is messy. We all have our baggage and our things that happen to us and like our pros and cons and we're complex, messy, emotional beings. Mm. But You know, if you feel like you're stuck in this loop where you can't get out, you know, and you're, you're literally anxious and terrified of not having the, my fitness pal, the diet, the calorie counter, the macro structure, Mm. like these things can be tools for some people under some circumstances. I'm not going to come out and say, You can, you should never do these things a hundred percent across the board, but I feel like for most normal people, and I'm, I don't say that in a derogatory way, but just most normal folks, you're not a professional athlete. You're not, um, you know, like whatever it is, just relax (laughs) a little, like, you know, I think, um, I think we have this perception that I think we confuse perfection with consistency, Mm. Mm. um, you know, and we're taught, oh, well, you have to be consistent if you want to have results. But then we mix up consistency with perfection and perfection drives um, this need for control and ignoring our intuition and the willpower and the binge restrict. And, mm-hmm. you know, like these things have played out for millions of people over years and years. So we, we're familiar with that, but it's it's a really interesting sort of shift mm. if we can start just make do like take small steps. I think, like I said, for most people, a gradual step-by-step like baby steps is is really the least scary thing to do. Absolutely. And, and then look at it and be in it for, yeah, for the long haul because perfectionism is, mm-hmm. um, is just the biggest form of fear and we are all perfect right now. Um, there is, so trying to achieve this perfection is the myth because perfect is right now and when you can see perfection as fear, then it, it really helps to demystify it, doesn't it? And just think, right, well, you know, if I just start with each day, one step at a time, one meal at a time, and keep showing up every day and, and committing to, you know, your health journey until you drop down dead. Because really, that's what we're here for. It's not like, a, <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm just going to lose some kilos before I go on my holiday. It's, uh, it's a lot more mm-hmm. a lot more profound than that now, absolutely. So, Steph, while we were talking a little bit about um, peanut cups, I don't even know what they are, but they sound peanut butter cups. They sound yummy. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a chocolate. 
So I don't know what you'd call them in um, Australia, but they're, you know, it's like peanut butter in the middle with chocolate on the outside. Hello, they sound yummy. So so you, <laughs> you'd have one of those if you wanted. So I have three um, gray areas in paleo that I like to ask my guests about, and they are mm. coffee, chocolate, and alcohol. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on those three gray areas, <laughs> Steph. <laughs> is such a good question um all three are very like we're such little dopamine hounds like all three of them can be a huge dopamine uh hit for a lot of people um all right so cat so coffee you know for a lot of people there's very slow metabolizers of caffeine and you have to sort of be cool with it. My personal rule is I don't drink coffee afternoon and I recommend for most of my clients that they also not do the same because about three quarters of the population is a slow metabolizer of caffeine, which even if you can fall asleep may lead to restless sleep. So you're like, I went to sleep at nine, but then I tossed and turned for like Mm, six hours. Not cool. Um, So that's sort of my general rule with that. Don't go crazy with it, obviously. Um, Chocolate. You know, I love myself some good dark chocolate. Um, And I find, again, when I'm like, I feel like having a square of dark chocolate. I'm going to eat a square of dark chocolate now. I'm like one and done, you know, a square or maybe two if I'm feeling crazy. And I'm like, Mm. that was satisfying. Um, Mm, So, I, you know, try to get good quality when I can. But I think, you know, for a lot of women, they're like, oh, chocolate, it's so bad for me. I, sh- I have to avoid it. And again, it becomes this like willpower thing. Yeah. And then alcohol. I think out of the three, alcohol is probably the, the worst um, in terms of health implications, mm. especially for women and especially women who are uh, like myself approaching middle age uh, or are... Uh, pre-menopausal or in menopause and for women who want to lose body fat and get their hormones sorted. Mm. And the reason is it's very inflammatory. Um, it's, it is like empty calories. It's a straight shot of carbohydrates. And as we get older for women, we deal with carbohydrates less and less well. And when that carbohydrate comes with almost no nutrition with it, let's be honest, no one drinks wine because it has resveratrol like no. we drink it because we think it, t- it tastes good and we, lo- we like how it makes us feel we like and, the little wine right <laughs> yeah a little wine buzz um i would say for me personally i have uh i have not had a drink in about a year and three months it was actually something I just decided to stop drinking because I was cutting for a weightlifting meet. I had to like get rid of an extra kilo or two. And I thought, all right, well, it doesn't make sense for me to, to drink. Mm. And so I stopped and I, I think I've had one other time in my life and I didn't start drinking at an early age. I was telling you earlier <laughs> for those of us who, uh, who, those of you who are listening, who weren't eavesdropping on our conversation before I started to record my <laughs> husband's from Scotland and he's like, yeah, we were drinking at like age 11 or 12. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I, I didn't know. drink, I didn't drink till I was 21. So, you know, I, but I've had like one other period of time there where I didn't really drink. Um, and, but I also know for me, it becomes habitual very, very quickly. Mm. And like a drink every, like a couple times a week became like a drink every day, became a drink, two drinks a day became, you know, and so for me, family history of alcohol issues. Um, I was just like, you know what? I'm good for right now. Mm-hmm. And could I have a drink right now? This goes back to the the whole willpower thing. Could I go down to the grocery store right now and get a bottle of wine and drink it? Sure. And I give myself <laughs> that permission. I'll pop around. <laughs> every single day. I'm, yeah. And I'm not in a battle of willpower to yeah. not drink. It's totally a different energy. But I, I really just, like that. Mm. Yeah. I'm just like, I you know, don't want to, don't feel like it. Um, and I think, you know, for me, for a lot of women, for a lot of the clients I work with, um, alcohol is just that one last thing that they, they have a hard time with. And, and so it's, it's usually, again, it's their, 
it's often as a numbing, it's something to numb and, and it's something to sort of disconnect from what's going on. And, and certainly, you know, not everybody is going to use it for that, but I just want to put it out there. that mm. Like if I told you that tomorrow you had to give up drinking and you were like, Oh, oh you know, You'd like panic that, drink. that might tell, <laughs> yeah, it might tell you about like your relationship with it. But, you know, in general, I think, um, you know, it, it's going to be very, very individual. And for Absolutely. some people, there are people who are like, I can moderate my chocolate consumption just fine. I can moderate my coffee consumption just fine. For me, personally, abstaining from alcohol is a, is a better way for me to do me. Mm. And I've learned that about myself. Like there are, you know, some people are like, I do moderation, everything, or I try to abstain from everything. And I'm like, I think humans are a bit more nuanced than that. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you have foods or things or activities or whatever it is that like, maybe you've learned about yourself. Hmm. That's kind of a trigger for me or it's almost never worth it. I almost feel almost always feel worse afterwards. So I'm going to decide not to. Love it. But I choose not to. Mm. And with right? that, it's like I've made that fear of missing out. None of that FOMO happening. You're just like I've, cho- I've chosen to do this from a from a really uh, reflective um, and insightful place, as opposed to I must not have that. It's bad. It's t- a totally different vibe, isn't it? The struggle is the struggle dissipates. Yeah, and that's what it's not doing. a struggle anymore. And. You know, like for me, people are like, isn't it hard? You go to a social thing and people don't, people don't pressure you to drink. And I'm like, no, because I don't make a big deal out of it. No. And really people don't if I, care if I, what you do. They're more interested in what they do. No. Right. No. And you know, if I rock up to, to a social gathering and I'm like, excuse me, everyone, just so you know, I'm <laughs> not going to, I'm not going to be drinking, you know, like just leave, you know, like. You just make it a non-issue and everybody else makes it a non-issue as well. Yeah, totally, totally. All right, so three um, quick-fire questions for you. Are you ready? Sure. Steph, what did you eat for breakfast? I had a chicken sausage, some kale, some cauliflower, and some bone broth, and some coffee with heavy cream. Oh, that sounds delicious. And. Steph, next question. What have you done to move your body mm-hmm. today? I went to the gym and I did some strict presses. I did some front squats. I did some pull-ups and just sort of monkeyed around doing some handstands and stuff like that. Just a side note, I love that picture of you climbing up the rope on Instagram. Oh, thanks. It was so motivating. I haven't done that since I was a, I was a kid and I realized I've got some big mindset issues, you know, around like, I'm too heavy. I'm in my 40s. I couldn't possibly do that. So now I'm just going to totally bust those and I'm going to climb up a rope. And you inspired me to do that. So I'll let you know when I do it. All right. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Quick fire question. The last one. Do you meditate? Mm, I don't meditate. I don't meditate in the sense that like I don't usually sit down or lie down in a quiet place. However, there are certain activities that when I do them are very meditative for me and I'm able to sort of get into that zone. So it's, it's stuff I do almost every day, like cooking, um, walking to get coffee in the morning. I, I find for my personality and how I operate best, my meditation works best when I'm in, when I'm in motion Mm -hmm. of some sort. Photography for me is actually very meditative. So, um, every day I try to do something that I can quiet my mind. Um, and, and sort of be in the present, mm. but I wouldn't call it um, traditional meditation. Sitting with your legs crossed and sitting with like, your fingers in the yeah. mudra or whatever it's called. Yeah, got it. Okay, cool. All right, so yeah. stupid easy paleo. Now, I know that a lot of um, my crew here know you because of your amazing raps, right? Yeah, seriously. Oh, yeah. The best paleo wraps. But there's a lot more to Stupid Easy Paleo than just those amazing wraps. So can you tell us a bit more about how your little food blog that you started in September 2011 has now <laughs> turned into this amazing business? And, uh, you know, you're not a school teacher anymore, right? So it's it's providing, you know, it's, it's a very successful business. So tell us more about, about yeah. that journey. <laughs> So about two months after I started the blog, 
this is the very, very condensed version. I did a, uh, a CrossFit like mastermind to learn how to be a better athlete in terms of my mindset. One of the activities we did in that, that mastermind group alerted me to the fact, and this is a sort of a, I reflected on my own life in multiple different, um, facets and, I ranked my career as the least, the least, was least satisfied with my career. This is in, in the midst of a marriage that was ending. So I didn't even rank my relationship ending the lowest. I was like, wow, I'm really unhappy with in my career. Really just not, it's not where I'm supposed to be. But at the time, the blog was like two months old. It was barely a newborn baby. You know, it was this <laughs> tiny thing. And for maybe someone else would look at that and go, I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm going to just do this impetuous thing. But for me, I was sort of like, okay, wake up call, just like really not happy with my job, really don't have any other prospects, though, because all I had ever done in my professional life was uh, be in the field of education. So, uh, wow, how do you then transition out of that? And through, you know, through the rest of 2011 and 2012, the blog started to gain traction and people were coming to get recipes and asking me about how to eat healthier and how they could do paleo in their own lives. And it was about a year later um, that I thought, Hmm, maybe I could do this Mm. and, you know, bring my ability to translate science into practical stuff for people. um, Because I have a background in physiology, and I understand biology, and I'm a nutrition nerd, and Mm -hmm. I love to cook like it it just seemed like the perfect combination. And so I, I, you know, I took like an online business class uh, (laughs) in early 2013, because I didn't know the first thing about running a business, or running an online business. And, um, you know, I just had this little blog that was for fun. And I set a date and I said, Okay, June of 2013, I'm going to ask for a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. And I did, and they gave it to me, which was amazing because I didn't have to then just <laughs> screw up the nerve to quit, which was even more daunting. But I got a year, um, no salary, no benefits, but I got a year to go do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And my case to the school board was, we're always telling our students to chase their dreams. Why well, I love it. Yeah. You know, and and that's how that's sort of how I wrote about it It was like, you know, I want to have this experience. And so I I said, all right, I have a year to sink or swim. And in that year, I wrote um, the paleo athlete, the ebook, I got a cookbook contract for performance paleo cookbook and really just started to like, oh, like unleash all this creativity that I had inside of me for this teaching people about this. And, um, so a year later came around and I resigned. And so that was four years ago, a little over four years ago. And I, I still sort of pinch myself every day that I, uh, I get to do what I do because it's my mom, I think is still like, how do you, like, how do you support yourself? (laughs) You know, so you have my business. Like how does does that thoughts on the internet and people give you money? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, like business in terms of business, like it's very diversified and, um, you know, we've got like lots of little things going on all over the place, but, uh, I just am so humbled and honored and grateful and like sometimes surprised that, you know, I, I, like you said, I get to go on the internet and talk about things that I care about and help people in the process. And, you know, uh, Every once in a while, I get emails from people that are just so heartfelt and talk about how something they've that I I wrote and they read or something on the website has helped them really kickstart start their own journey. And I just think, well, that's full circle, and it's um, it's just so uh, it's so crazy and amazing and wonderful. And um, I'm just so happy that I get to do that every day. It's great. It's amazing, Steph. And, you know, thank thank you for all the work that you do because you really are a change maker and you're living what sounds like a really fulfilled and extraordinary life compared to, you know, what you described pre-paleo. And and I think that you've touched on so many different areas in in today's 
um, interview that can really inspire people to make that take that jump or to to follow the dream and and to tune in and listen to what's what they really want because you know we're only here for a short time so so thank you thank you for that now you're welcome if people want to obviously they'll be like oh i want to hang out with steph and find out more about her how can <laughs> how can how can they get how can they get in touch with you how, where do we find you well you can find me at stupideasypaleo.com and um Basically, on any social media channel, though, I will say I am most active and present personally on Instagram. So, yes, we have Facebook, we have Pinterest and Twitter and YouTube, but where I am every day interacting with people and engaging and asking and answering questions and and stuff like that is Instagram. So, if you like want to get in on the conversation like real time and um, participate and see what's going on, that's definitely the best place and it's Stupid Easy Paleo on Instagram. Awesome. Steph, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Oh, it's been so fun. Thank you for having me. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.